You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name is Sean Kelly and I will be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to the Celtic Ramblings crew for their show. Um, nice full studio when it came in. Nice to see young Ethan on the deck producing. So that was uh, good to catch up with young Ethan as well. Um, now joining me in the studio should be Peter Skeeler, but Pete's had a bad run of Ill health and he's unable to come this morning so I've reached into my reserves on the subs bench and I've managed to get myself the former Armadale MPL and now current Morley coach in John O'Reilly. John good morning how are you? Good morning Sean I've been uh, I've been training hard this week so uh, I'm delighted to get the uh, finally get the uh, starting lineup. Oh no it's good to see all that working and training on the track working out for you Johnny. Um, we talked a lot of stuff over the, the last few weeks so it's always good. Trust your football knowledge and uh, I think you'll come in handy today with our star studied lineup. So uh, this morning we're going to start with um, Takai Nicolades who is the new coach at Inglewood. Um, and we'll talk to Taki about his return to to Inglewood. He was um, coached there back in uh, what 2006, 2007, or 2006, no, 16, 17, wasn't it? Um, and he did very well with them then, so hopefully he'll get back to the glory days there. Then we're going to talk to Kalichi. Um, I'll just leave it at Kalichi. You've always made it when you, you get called Kalichi rather than anything just else. Just one name. Just yeah, one it's name just one name. That's, that's a proper footballer for you. Um, but he's going to be talking about the Stuart Blacker Football Foundation fundraiser yeah. and um, lots of good work going on there and the tragic loss of uh, a really good citizen of football. So we'll, we'll talk to him a little bit about Stuart, what um, he's left behind and uh, what today is all about. 
Then we're going to talk to Paul, Paul Lothorpe, who is with the AWFA, which is the um, Association of Walking Football Australia. Um, walking football, lots of stuff going on in the last few weeks and lots of avenues for uh, people of all ages, all genders to get involved in. And um, a really uh, big growth area in uh, the the football landscape, but also I think, um, and you'll attest to this, John, uh, although it's been primarily the domain of 50s plus men and 40s plus women, um, there's plenty of room for uh, younger people to get involved with walking football. Yes, definitely. Uh, myself, I got involved um, probably about six months ago. Um, and for me, getting involved in the walking football was more of like a, a rehabilitation uh, exercise. Um, yeah. I felt that some injuries and that had kind of really, really sedated my uh, sort of like mobility. Yeah. Uh, and just getting back into something I loved, which is the football. And, and it's the mental health side of it and, and the, yeah, co- and the yeah, connection. Yeah, around the, being around football people. Yeah. Um, you know, we all share a common interest. So it's, it's just nice being around people and, and obviously the social side after the, the football. But yeah, I kind of looked down on walking football, which I'm sure a lot of younger people do because they think it might be a bit, you know, yeah. below them. But honestly, like um, getting back involved, just being out on the pitch, mm. uh, and there was plenty of young kids that were down there with us as well that was um, was joining in. So you can see lots of benefits, um, you know, just just socially, just getting the body. Look, moving. I, I've seen an improvement in some of the young kids' games and how they actually play, and I, I'm sure that translates into the full sided game as well. Definitely. Um, and then closing out the show, we're going to talk to Nahul Arati, who is the assistant coach with Perth Glory, who unfortunately went down 2-1 last night. But um, we'll talk to him about the, the work he and, and Stadrick are doing because I, I think, and we'll talk more about that um, later on, but I, I think when you look at it, you can see there is a change in the way that the Glory are playing football. And I think from a, a coaching perspective, it looks like it's... Um, a work in progress, and and you you yeah. see yourself as there's players making passes that look awful, but they're actually passing to the right channel. And the players made the 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 run to the wrong channel, so I don't know. It's just I think there's been a lot of sort of like outside noise, and yeah. it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to to really knuckle down and, and get across their philosophies and how they want to play. Oh, look, a complete change in philosophies is very, very 100%. difficult, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's that's the show for today. So we're looking like a, a really good show lining up. And then at 12 o'clock, Lenny's in with the jazz show. And I know everyone nice. that's in the jazz world is um, getting ready for that one, so... I might stick around for that one as well. Yeah, you like a bit of jazz? Yeah, why not? Oh, okay, it's good. <laughs> um, all right, in, in local news, obviously the Perth Glory loss uh, 2-1 to Melbourne City last night wasn't what they wanted. Uh, lots of good signs, though, and I think in the late in that second half, particularly when um, players like Amini came on, um, they were peppering the goal, and you know, there was a couple of good saves pulled off, a couple of good efforts, a couple of poor efforts, but you know, most most of the game was being played in that end of the park. Um, I do not know how someone like Beavers. Um, being the size he is, gets beaten from behind by someone fairly I, from where I was both hands clearly on, on the man's shoulders and leaning over the top of him, but the referees just and the BAR have gone, yeah, no, that's a goal, that's fine, you can do that. Yeah, I don't think we should uh, talk about, start start the start the show talking about VAR, it might, might take up too much Paul, time. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you're a live, live VAR Paul fan, so <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd have a, an opinion on, on that as well. And I, I think anyone, football purists, I don't think we like VAR, but that's... No, I think 
part of the fun is arguing about it in the pub afterwards. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, what else do we have? Oh, Big Ange, Tottenham. Excellent. Everyone loves Ange at the moment. Everyone yeah. loves Ange at the moment. Well, they did. Uh, the, the wheels seem to have fallen off. They've had a, a very, very bad run. Um, got done 2-1 by the Mighty Hammers, who are massive everywhere <laughs> they go. Uh, <laughs> You're a big West Ham fan, mate. You're going to enjoy that result. Oh, Especially it was our London derby as well. Always love beating the spuds, mate. Always. Yeah. Just nothing better. But I think Ange's got runs on the board in his first few months of being in charge. So yeah. I think like he's... People are going to have already bought into him, so it's not like he started with uh, with, with loss, lots of losses. He's been able to get some wins on the board, which has definitely bought him a, a significant period of time for him to uh, be accepted. Yeah, no, look, definitely. I think he's um, he's done the the right thing there. He's he's certainly changed the landscape. His his interviews are, are always good to to listen to, and when he gets interviewed by the uh, the the press in England, they're just not used to Ange and, and his very um, direct approach. The, pr- the press are there offering him loaded questions. You know, the, you know, we all know what the English tabloids are like. But, yeah. Um, he's just batting them away with his with his uh, with his Aussie Aussie attitude, and uh, yeah, they haven't been able to find a, a crack in his mantle at the moment. No, and and he deals with it in such a, a very Australian laconic way, and I think it's it's been refreshing for them not to have the very political and, and usual answers, and he's he's certainly thrown things back at them. Yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, he's given as good as he's getting at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, he has. Um, young Matildas had a three-one win over China. The Perth Glory youngster Grace Johnston <clears throat> got a run in that. Um, good to see the the young Matildas going well. Um, the Matildas themselves shown some some depth issues. Uh, Mackenzie Arnold big missing goal, but also you had uh, Sam Kerr missing, and uh, you know the the first result was what five nil um, against Canada, mm. uh, and then the, the second game was one nil. It does show that Gustafsson's got some work to do in the depth of his squad, and the coverage um, shouldn't have been. I know she's a fantastic um, asset, but. To lose Kerr out of the front lines is a big loss for Australia. Uh, yeah, and we saw that during the actual World Cup. <laughs> so they did, had a fantastic run in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, how much more could they have done if they ever had their star player? Yeah. Um, she really is, you know, the, the driving force behind that team. Um, and, it's yeah, it's a generational thing. It's hard to yeah. replace when that sort of person is not available. And, and controversy in the Olympics qualifiers already. I think England are now complaining that the... Uh, What's that? The palms are whinging. Yeah, absolutely, they <laughs> That's are. So unlikely. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, they won their their game, but um, Belgium managed to score just enough goals to pip them at the post. Um, and. And that's only, oh no, sorry, Holland got it. Belgium substituted their keeper in the 90th minute or something like that. And and the Dutch scored a goal that got and them they through. Conceded. Yeah, and then now obviously the, all the conspiracy into. theorists are out with their tinfoil hats and <laughs> oh, I'm jumping slide rules. Conspiracy straight away. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's too, too, too coincidental. Yeah, that's what they're saying. But I think it's nice to see that obviously um, when you're looking from an Australian perspective to not have England in that. Um, Olympics has got to be, yeah, yeah. Look, they're one of the powerhouses in in football around the yeah. world. Um, same as when we when we miss our Italian friends in uh, in the, all the sort of major tournaments over the last <laughs> few few years. Um, it's it's very unusual to not have them there. Absolutely. All right, John. We're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Attacky, and we'll be talking all things Inglewood. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. 
Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Okay, we're back in the room, and joining us now is our first guest this morning. Um, whilst, uh, well, always been a pillar of stability is Inglewood. There's been massive changes all across the board, and uh, one of them, and everyone's excited with this news, is the appointment of Taki Nicolades as the head coach. Taki, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning, mate. Good. Yourself? Good. Um been a while since you were at Inglewood, I think, uh, what was it, 2016, 17, when you, you've left the club in, in second spot. Um, you, you've been around a bit since, but uh, good to be walking back into the club again. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, uh, Inglewood are, are definitely a, a club that's uh, got a, a lot of history and, um, you know, I think they'll be the first club uh, first, uh, to say that, you know, they'd probably... Would have liked to have achieved more, uh, but uh, they've got you know good solid foundations, uh, <clears throat> great great uh, facilities in terms of the pitch, uh, changing rooms, grandstand, clubhouse. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I do think that the club's got uh, a whole heap of uh, potential. Yeah, it's interesting though. I mean, obviously, the, there's been. Uh, they've been a very stable club over the years, and you know. Um, when Ziggy passed on, that, that mantle was passed on through Carl and uh, he's done a great job there. Caesar's stepped in and, and carried the, the load for the last you know few years there and, and been a good president for them and ably supported by Sean Cross. So they, they've always seemed to have someone and um, the new president has come through the junior side, uh, through the junior side, so very much a, a homegrown presence. So that stability is still there. Is that an important part of the club culture? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And look, you know, uh, before we, we become seniors, we were all juniors as well. Uh, so I know myself when I was growing up, um, you know, my my my, uh, my club was a senior, and um, you know, I as a junior was aspiring to, to go through the ranks and. You know, get into first team football at, at my club, and uh, you know that's sort of the same vision that um, that Anthony and the board are, uh, are trying to implement now uh, at, at Inglewood. You know, uh, trying to provide a pathway and um, and create uh, the opportunities for um, 
for the players to, to come through the system and into a, a senior environment. Uh, morning, Taki. It's John here. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> Welcome back, bud. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, just uh, just uh, during the week, um, coincidentally, I actually caught up with Anthony, um, the new president there at the club, and a couple of the the board members, uh, and, and just chatting with them. It turned out that they uh, they also played for the club back in their younger days as well. Um, so listen to the, how they're talking about the club, what the, how they want to see the club move forward over the next couple of years. Is, is, is there's a lot of ambition there. There's a lot of um, sounds like they, they, they want to relight the fire and, and get the sleeping giant up and moving again. So what's, how has that felt now that you've come on board with them? Like, um, what's the sort of vibe that you're getting around the club from the new uh, from the new president and his uh, his team? No, and, and you're spot on. And I think you know when you. <laughs> when you've been at the club, come through the juniors and, and had a bit of history there, um, you know, it, they do want to put something back. And, and for me, that was probably the, the one of the driving things for myself to, to go back to Inwood with um, their vision. And it's not, it's not just you know what they're planning for in terms of 2024, but 25, 26, 27, 28 and, and beyond. And, uh, and for me, as I said, it was, it was refreshing to hear that, um, you know, they, they do want to sort of put those um, things in place, but probably more importantly, um, ever since I have uh, sort of uh, come on board, uh, and they've been very supportive in the senior side of things as well. So uh, for them, it's not just a, a junior um, you know, outlook. It is a, a whole club um, a thing that they want, want to improve on. And uh, as I said, yeah, and they, the, and they, 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 John, you know, when, they, when they've been at the club and they've invested and they've got you know, a bit of history there, um, nice to see them sort of come back and, 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 and help hopefully take it to, to the next stage. Yeah, well, look, the, uh, the impression I got from them is they're, they're super, super um, ambitious to, to get things going. Um, they were massively um, respectful of, of how the club has been run over the, the years before them. They've got a lot of great things to say about the um, the board that have, that have recently stepped down, but um, at the same time, it sounds like they've got some ideas of their own that they want to try and implement. So, I think over the next few months, we'll see some some big changes at the club. Yeah, without a doubt. And then, and sort of take nothing away from Ches and uh, and the others that have been uh, at the club, and and even Andreas as, as the head coach. Um, you know, they've done they've all done an exceptional job, um, and as people will know. Uh, we, we we get tired. It, it, it is very taxing from a coaching point of view, and also from a, a board point of view, uh, it can get very taxing. And I know Chess has been doing it for ten years now, and and Drake, I think was, was five or six years at um, at Inglewood. Um, it does get taxing, and you know it's, it's, sometimes it is nice to, to have a break and sort of get some new people in there with um, some new ideas and you know, energy, and and you know and get more. More help, um, and I think that's a, a big thing as well. Mm. I always knew you'd get yourself back into the NPL over the last three years. Watching what you've done with Mum, um, I thought that would be the vehicle you'd achieve it with. Um, you, you know, you're doing a good job in there in what is a very, very competitive league. Um, yeah, your time there was well spent. Yeah, oh look, I've. Um Totally enjoyed it. It wasn't uh, it was out of my comfort zone. Um, never sort of been involved in a Div Two club at the time. But um, when Mark Jones had sort of said, "Look, I need some help. Can you um, come down and, and uh, initially started helping with um, Matt Waddle, and then 
Matt decided to, to pull the pin uh, and then sort of go through what we went through, um, having a, a run of wins and then you know, making playoff, winning playoff. Um, you know, for me, it was, it was, it was just, as, just as big as winning uh, you know, a, a major trophy in an NPL club. Uh, I think winning is winning regardless of, of which... Uh, which league you're in, and for me, I've um, yeah, I've enjoyed my time there. Then, obviously, last year, uh, the season before, we uh, finished just outside the the four won the night series, went to a quarter final of the cup. Uh, this year, we probably had uh, the wrong uh, wrong rub of the green, I guess, in terms of um, a lot of injuries uh, at, at the worst possible time. But uh, you know, I thought we. Also gave some, some some younger players some some good exposure, good experiences, and uh, you know they'll only be better for for um, for what they uh, got out of this year. So sorry, Sean. Yeah, I was just going to say, just on what you were saying there, Tacky, about you know getting them promotion through the uh, through the playoffs. Obviously, Murdoch. Um, uh, or Melville Murdoch have, have always wanted to make their way up through the through the divisions. Um, so, like it, as as a coach, I'm sure. We all feel like we want to leave something behind us, a legacy behind us. So it must be must be pretty pretty proud to feel that you helped them achieve their first step of their their journey to work their way through the through the leagues. Yeah, exceptional, John. And then and, and I keep saying like whatever team that uh, that I've been involved with, it's like and as you said, you want to leave leave the club in a better place. Uh, yeah, for and sure. you also would like to leave your your, your mark. And you know, I'm fortunate enough, and I've and I've dated the players. You know ones that actually got promoted. So <laughs> you look around, you can turn around in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time, we were the group that got you know, uh, Murdoch um, and yeah. did one for the very first time. You know, And then you know, the Knights are his uh, achievement. We were the first first group of uh, players at Mum that won the first major trophy. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, they, they, those types of achievements uh, are there forever. And there's a... As I keep saying, you know, life is short, but I think you want to reflect at the end of your period uh, at wherever you're at and say, well, you know what, I've contributed and this is what I've got out of it. Yeah, no, look, and I think um, Mum as a club, terrific bunch of people down there. And I know um, Mark Inello as the, the president and uh, Mark Jones as the TD do, do a fantastic job down there. Um, but the other thing for me is, and I know John had a, a good history in Division One. Um, that that league has gone from strength to strength, and when you look at the teams now that have gone up in um, in Western Knights and Fremantle, um, I think they'll give a good account of themselves in the MP, in the NPL. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, this yeah, year. No, without a doubt. Yeah, look, we've obviously played against both those teams, and you know, they're very well coached, and and uh, I've got a, a, a bunch of talented players in their group. And, you don't win a league or get promoted um, if you've got that. So, um, look, <laughs> you're right in what you're saying in terms of Div 1. There's, um, there's a lot of clubs that are ambitious and sort of want to be playing NPL. And uh, I know Knights have been trying for a while, and HP have been trying for a while, and now, um, you know, they've got their dream set to be in NPL. And you find that clubs that have got that type of ambition to to um, uh, to go forward um, and and also have a, a strong um, following and support um, you know financially 
you've got some uh, MPL clubs that actually can't or don't compete with, with some Div 1 clubs. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see that it's not just um, all about the MPL. It's, it's good to see that like, Div 1 clubs uh, are ambitious and uh, actually <clears> want to achieve and, and push into the MPL rather than just sort of just you know, plod along and have, have very little ambition. Can I say, um, with, I, I, I feel that with the Division One, sometimes it's it's like it's it comes in cycles. That level of ambition, where you know some years it might be one team that really wants to push on. Some years it could be more. I feel that the the, the current cycle of events actually, possibly even stemmed from your time when you were at Guelup, when you were part of that team that really put some uh, pressure on that league to to, to raise ambition. And um, those guys, yourself and, and Gwillup getting promoted that year. And then going from there, um, I think over the last probably four or five years, we've really seen the uptake where Olympic have tried to emulate that, uh, Fremantle, uh, Western Knights, uh, Mandra. Mandra. So yeah. basically, you've, it, it kind of, I think the, the Gwellup era kind of got that cycle rolling again, where we've seen like three, four, five clubs that have really been ambitious to get to get up and back into, or get yep. up into the MPL. So um, it's, it's and then that obviously now has has a rub-on effect to the MPL, where we're starting to see the teams that are coming up are, are stronger. Well, I think also when you look at it, John, that when you've got a strong Division 1 and a strong Division 2, the, the players we're producing are more ready now to go into the Correct. MPL. So there's lots of, of lads who've stepped out of MPL um, reserve teams to play first team in Division 1 and Division 2 mm. who have become stronger players because of that because they're, they're not mug <clears throat> leagues anymore. These are yeah. really competitive and, and skillful leagues to play in. And, you know, you bludge yourself against fully grown men and I think that's really where it's helped. And the development of players, which is what we're all about, um, has improved considerably across the board, rather than just being at one level. Yeah, and I think I think the just the player movement now, like with clubs uh, going into this twenty twenty four season, there's been a lot of um, clubs that are like strengthening their yeah. squads because oh, look, they know that it's it, the, the the talent of what's and coming I suppose through. that that raises the next thing for us, um, Taiki. You've um, inherited a squad that finished on twenty seven points, and with uh, two other clubs. Um, one of which were, were relegated on goal difference. So obviously you're, you're looking to improve the system that you're playing, but also you're looking to improve your player stocks. Um, both Perth and Kingsway have been very, very proactive in bringing back in players from over east and the A-leagues. Um, do you feel you're, you're a bit behind the eight ball in, in your appointment and you've only got, what, a month till the night series starts? <laughs> A little bit, uh, but then again, for me, that's a good challenge as well. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in selling, you know, also recruiting, babe, you're also recruiting. Um, and look, I can't change what's happened in the past in terms of timing and, and my appointment. And whilst, you know, appointment was, was, was late or later than most clubs, um, yeah, we unfortunately we did lose the. Uh, uh, some players during during that that period, uh, but at the end of the day, also want players at the club that want to be at the club for the right reasons. Yeah, um, very important. And for me, yeah, and I get it. You know, some players have been at the club for for you know four, five, six years and feel like they need a change. I get that as well, uh, and that's all part of football. Uh, but what excites me is that uh, you know there's other good players, youngsters, uh, mature and. Uh, experienced uh, players that 
want to be at the club, and uh, you know that's the process that I'm going through at the moment. And well, a lot of clubs are, um, are filling up their squads early on. Um, the good thing from from my point of view is that we've got um, some gaps that that need filling, and when players do become available, at least you know I'm in a position to be able to you know fill those gaps rather than yeah. Uh, some clubs that are established now and, and got their squads together, and you know, if someone decent does pop up, then um, it'll be hard for them to, to, to squeeze them in. And um, there are opportunities, aren't they, for for players to to show themselves and show what they can do? They're going to be given an opportunity to to prove themselves, which is really what you want. I suppose the other thing is, and, and I know um, for a lot of years there was this perception that, you know, you couldn't get relegated out of the NPL. It was very, very difficult to, to be relegated. Um, as last season has shown, um, you know, two clubs in Sorrento and Coburn have been relegated. Um, that, that threat's now very real. Um, and I think that, that kind of sharpens up the senses for everybody and, and makes that league just a little bit more um, serious, if you like, about you know, making sure you, you don't end up in that bottom two because the teams coming up, as Fremantle proved, are more than capable of stepping up. Yeah, well, and, and the good thing about the whole promotion relegation thing and, and obviously the, the playoffs now is that everyone's accountable. Um, you can't just be, you know, one, you know, can't be happy to finish 11th in MPL. Uh, no. And, 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 know, and know that, oh, well, I'm safe. You know, as long as I, I'm better than one, one team in that league... Um, the good thing about it is that it's keeping everyone, everyone honest, and you'll find the more the more uh, competition uh, there is, um, and more opportunities there are, uh, the more uh, competitive it, it will come. And, uh, and as I said, you, know, you look at Div One now, and you know Sorrento and, and well, okay, fair play to them. They've gone out; they want to go back straight back up. Uh, you've got Mandra that uh, you know, was a very good team last year, and you know want to. Want to push to get promoted um, this year? You've got um, uh, Dinella who uh, have also invested uh, in, in squad, and they want to get promoted. And, you know, it, it, it creates a, a good environment in Dubai, but then also in, um, in 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 the NPL, it's like, well, we saw how how, how tight, tight things were, and you know, we want to make sure we don't finish in the bottom two. And, and a lot of work during the off season to get players in. Uh, is, is crucial and it's not just getting players in it's getting the right players in as well mm. obviously with player contracts and trade points and you know, rosters and you know, uh, transfer windows and all that um, yeah, I it, thought... it does make it a lot, lot more tougher I thought the player point system was getting scrubbed not at the moment not at the moment okay whether it'll be reviewed for yeah. next year but it's still, it's still there for now okay um, yeah and take can I ask, yeah. uh, just jump in and ask you there so like Obviously, when when I was with uh, Amadou, I have a plan at the start of each sort of like recruitment period or for the season ahead. Um, what's f- from from you from a coaching perspective? Like, what's your thought process at the moment now that you're on board? Like, is there a plan? Is is have you set yourselves uh, a goal yet? What the expectation for the year is, or is that too early to to have that expectation? What what's your kind of mindset about what you've got to do or where you want to be? Uh, come come the start of the season and mid season end of season. Yeah, look, ideally, um, wherever I've gone, my sort of outlook is uh, I just want to improve on the previous year. Um, and yeah, and, and probably one thing that I did say to all the players that you know the players from last season, it's, you know, when, you, when you're 
I know they were all disappointed and uh, probably languishing um, in the bottom two or three for, for the majority of uh, the league season. But then when you look back at, at the, the, the season as a whole, you know, they were penalty kicks away from you know, winning a night series. They made a, a cup final and they got beat 3-2 uh, by Bicena. Uh, they got the opportunity to you know, represent uh, WA in the Australian Cup and went to Adelaide. And I think you know, it, was, it was three games there where you know, they dropped some, some massive points you know, and, you know, from uh, winning positions. And then if they hadn't done that, they you know, potentially could have finished fifth. It was such, a, that, yeah, it was such yeah. a cruel sliding doors season for Inglewood because... As you just said, there with the two cup finals, two 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 goals, two wins, and they'd have been walking away with the most silverware <laughs> uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, correct. And then all of a sudden, the, the mindset is is more positive than negative. And I'm the, I'm a glass half full guy, and, and for me, uh, as I said, the the fundamentals and the, the basics are there. It's just sort of um, you know, new season, new challenges. They've had that experience now uh, last last year. Um, and you know, hopefully with you know, some of these new faces that we're looking to bring in, um, you know, we'll, we'll help uh, complement uh, those that are still at the club uh, and just just keep improving on, on last year. And, you know, as I said, you know, sometimes you need need a, a bit of luck, um, you know, through, through the season to have a good cup run or a good uh, league uh, league run. And uh, for me, it's just, just trying to get that that balance now and get that positive mindset. And, and playing a, a good good brand of football that one they understand and two they all buy into as well. I think like I, I looked at that I looked at that squad that that Inglewood had from last year, uh, and, and that's a good squad. And I think where they ended up finishing, I think if if that squad had played sort of like you know any other season in the last five years, they would have been mid table to top, you know pushing for potentially even a top four finish, uh, going deeper into the season. Um, I think just the way the season played out last year, where where teams just couldn't couldn't find consistency. I think that was the biggest thing about the league last year was just teams couldn't find consistency, which kept it so tight right to the end. But yeah, as you mentioned, like there's definitely some results that that were in their hands and they just it just slipped from them. But that was a good squad. That was a good squad of players. I, I you know a handful of those boys were at Armadale with myself during my coaching um, time there, and and they were very good players. So. It was surprising to see them down at that end of the table, but I think if you if you keep, remain, keep a large portion of those for this year and, yeah. and add to it, like there's definitely. Uh... But having said that, when you look at last season, it was a crazy season. I think in the first five or six weeks, the bottom two were Perth and, Bel- uh, and Bayswater. So you know, <laughs> yeah. it was a, a really topsy turvy season last year, and I think this is part of the the shifting dynamic of WA football is that the the teams that were once you know. Um, penciled in for the top two, three, and it's not happening now. Everybody's capable of beating another team on their day, Mm. and there's no dominant sides in there anymore. And I think, you know, if you get the right blend of players with the right system and the the magic's happening, um, anything's possible. Uh, Taki, do you think um, this year it'll be the same with, uh, you know, it being very close, or do you think there's a couple of teams that might... um be able to pull, pull himself away. A couple of bolters. Yeah, a couple of uh, front runners. Uh, What's your thoughts on the, the teams this year? Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, you've got, obviously, Kingsway and, and you know, they've gone out and having a, a good push and uh, Bayview have uh, also uh, uh, recruited very well. Then you've got the likes of uh, Red Star, who, who won the 
won the league last year. Sterling are a very strong uh, Perth. Um, you know, finished strong last year under Danny Hayne. You know, made the top four and sort of you know gone in a new direction. Um, yeah, they, they will all be competing. But then, uh, as I said, there's clubs like like ourselves that uh, you know we're disappointed, you know, with where we finished in the league, but. Um, yeah, as long as we've got that drive to improve, there's no reason why we can't improve. And, you know, same with, with the Athena as well. You know, I know they were disappointed. Um, you've got the likes of Western Knights and um, uh, and, and Frio, who have both beaten uh, NPL teams last year in, in Cup. Um, and I'm sure they want to put their best foot forward. So I, I actually see still being uh, pretty, pretty competitive or as competitive as what it was last season. And I must admit, in all my time as a playing coach here in Perth, I've never seen that, ever seen it that tight, ever. Yeah. No, and talk, talking about tight, the night series starts for you on January the 25th with a game against Kingsway Olympic at Dorian Gardens. Um, obviously, a, that's a, a big date in your diary um, and very little time to, to get a team in training, preparation and bring in any players with you know little things like Christmas, New Year in the way as well. So, um, a big challenge ahead of you. <laughs> there is, but I, I love challenges. Oh, no. um, and, and, and for me, um, nothing changes. Um, you know, we start our pre-season on Tuesday. We'll have four sessions um, pre-Christmas. The owners uh, will be on the place, do their, their fitness on their own. Uh, and then we're back on the fourth, um, back with the balls and and just prepping for, um, for round one of, of night series. But to me, my, my focus isn't on and uh, trying to um, peak come uh, round one of the night. Nah. Uh, you, you, you want to be hitting straps um, by, by round one of, of the league season. So for me, um, there's no expectation uh, on the playing group to, to go out there and perform in terms of we must sort of you know, finish in the top two and make a semi-final of the night series. Um, if, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, I'm not too fast to... to it's more about just getting yeah. the minutes into players, getting them to understand a, a different way of playing. Because you know, for, for some of them that have been at uh, English for a while, they've been working under Andreas and playing yeah. a certain style. And, uh, it would be something new and different. So, well, you yeah, sound I'll... like a man a man who's been refreshed and, and really up for the challenge. And I go back to your comment about um, you're a, half, a glass half full person. I think you're someone who's just grateful to have a, a glass that you can actually then choose what you put into it and how you make that work for you. So um, you, you sound like you've been refreshed by, by this new challenge. And uh, I thank you for being on this morning. <laughs> I was going to say, I see it like, like you're dating a new girlfriend. Uh, you're excited, you're on your toes, you've got a smile on your face, and that's how I feel at the moment. I'm just, just glad your wife's not listening. <laughs> or, or any of your exes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Taiki, thank you very much for your time this morning, and best of luck for the, the season upcoming. I'm sure we'll catch up with you at some point. Good, for really good chat to you guys. Chat soon. Take it easy. Cheers, mate. mate. Cheers. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Taiki Nicolardi's with what is going to be a huge challenge ahead of him. Um, as you know, John, you've been there. Um, club expectations coming into a night series. Whilst as a coach, you've you've got you know brand new squad to deal with and all of those things that you've got to get up and running, and, and maybe even a change of playing style. Um, 
Yeah, look, looking looking at Inglewood and just being specific about them and their, what they're going to do this year. Yeah, um, they're very much in a in, in a bit of a rebuild. Um, obviously, from their committee through yeah. to their first team. Um, but look, Taki Taki's the sort of coach that you want to have um, leading the way if that is the case. Yeah, and he he's got he's got the personality, he's got the people, he's got the networks. Look, that that team will be competitive. It's obviously he's come in now at this stage and it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be really looking at the uh, night series results for Inglewood. Um, I know from Taki's perspective and, and knowing him quite well that round one is when it becomes important. So he's going to be looking to discover a lot of things about his playing group over the next several months. Um, but yeah, come round one, I'm sure he'll have his boys um, prepared and ready to go. And a bold prediction at this time of the year for for Inglewood. Look, I think it's it's not so much a prediction. I think it's a necessity for them to aim mid-table yeah. um, with the possibility of pushing into that top yeah. half to, to be competitive for a top four and, finish. And from a coaching table. perspective, the the prospect of relegation, the real prospect of relegation from that um, MPL, is, is that really a, a factor for clubs now? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and like I said, it, it's the consistency. Um, there's... there's 12 good teams currently in the MPL yep. and the consistent teams will be up to the top yep. and the teams that keep just missing out will be down near the bottom. And it's so important that teams that we mentioned already like Dianella, like um, uh, Mandra and obviously now Sorrento and Coburn are good enough to put the pressure on those teams coming up. So really, ideally, we would have you know, 20, 24 um, clubs capable of playing at MPL level. Yeah, like well, we saw last year. Like it's, it, you know, you always feel that the MPL side is going to be the stronger over the several legs, legs in a, a cup relegation. Um, yeah, playoff. But we saw with Sorrento, you know, the pressure can get to you, and and, and, and any of the sort of like top three, top four teams in that Div One are capable of uh, competing against the the bottom four of the MPL. So even getting that spot second to last, it feels like a second chance. But um, that that's probably harder to uh, to win those games than it was the ones during the actual season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at it, you you know you've got a team that's sort of conditioned to losing playing a team that's conditioned to winning, and it that that little it's dynamic, dynamic, yeah, and, the and belief. That's where character within the group comes into it. You know, you you can be, like I say, you can end up losing more games than you win and put yourself in that position. But if you've got a good, strong group harmony um, throughout the year, then you can you can pull it off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if if the if the uh, change room has has become a morgue, it's uh, it's a very bleak final. Oh, play. I know. And look for the team coming or coming up in a playoff. And I, I looked at uh, Mandra. I thought Mandra would would be able to. To, to do it, but in the end, they they fell at the last hurdle. Well, I, th- I think Mandra and yeah. Frio had very similar dynamics, changing yeah. room wise. Like, there's some real strong personalities in both those squads. So, yeah, yeah that that was that cup final played out the way I expected it. It swung both ways, um, or, or the game, sorry, yeah, games leading up to it, 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 it swung both ways at the tail end of the season to see who was going to pip it to the top. But um, yeah, it was. It was, it was I think Divi One was very interesting last year. Oh, absolutely. And will be this year as well, by the looks of things. Yeah, I know. Look, and I think, you know, we can come back to Neil Kilkenny playing in Division 1. <laughs> That's fantastic. We've got two A-League, or ex-A-League players in Division 1 with Andy Keogh at Dianella and obviously... Um, oh, no, uh, three. Because you've got... Well, a goalkeeper, obviously. 
the goal. Oh, no, sorry. No, he's not, is no, he? He's, no, no, he's, he's a, a um, yeah. That's red right. star, isn't he? He's a red star, yeah. No, that's all right. What do you know that I don't know? No, no, I don't know nothing. a terrible recruitment I, I know nothing. <laughs> um, all right, no, no, just a, a brain fart, but never mind. Um, no, look, it's, it's, it is. And I think it's important then you look at Division 2, teams coming up from that are also very competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, Kingsley Westside going up will, will be no mugs in Division 1. Um, so I think that's... Can I say what, what I think is important in that Division 1 as part of the process to, to get near the top? And it's a shame that MPL have got rules that restrict this, but yeah. the, the Division 1 is taking advantage of the um, opportunity to bring in visa players. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's detrimental to the MPL. Uh, we're seeing teams in Division 1 that are stronger because they have visa players, but, for example, with Fremantle, they had, I think, six players when they got promoted. Mm. They've had to release them. Yeah. So their first signing was a visa player, so they had to release five out of six players yeah. that were starting lineup players. Yeah. And, and it, you want to see a team that wins a league to go up and compete. And there's always you been my, my issue with the NPL is we don't we don't see the best. I think there should be um, changes around the, the visa player rules as well should change because it's not like you're bringing in a professional footballer who's coming in to play football. We've got guys that are coming in primarily as um, electricians, plumbers, accountants, whatever, you know, um, quantity surveyors who then are playing football Mm. for fun, but it's not their primary source of income. And I think, you know, the the professional visa should should really... um, not count if you're here as a plumber or electrician or any other trade. If you're on a sponsorship, yeah. if you're on a, a, a PR, that's your intention to become an Australian. That's your intention to stay in the country and become part of the community. Yeah. I think once you, if you're on a holiday visa, like yes, you're passing through, but I think once you're making those steps to become an Australian citizen hmm. uh, or an Australian resident, then that should. Well, be then you get into really murky territory because if you're on a holiday visa, you can't be a professional footballer, so you no can't get paid. If you sign a professional contract, that's it's like I keep saying this. It's like being pregnant. Um, <laughs> you're either professional or you're not. You can't be both. Half. So no, no, but uh, there are visa restrictions around certain classes of visa where you cannot be paid to play anything other than the work that you were doing and your visa allowed you to or as a holiday backpacker you can play amateur football but you can't play professional football yeah that's yeah. fair enough so yeah look it, it just opens up a can of worms for people but it's um it's just an interesting discussion to have but i think you know the the whole thing around visa players needs to be clarified um it just disadvantages as you said these six guys that Fremantle had to release aren't here primarily as footballers they are here as other things um well you look you look at where they've gone you yeah know, a, lot, a lot of these guys that were on visas with the yeah. team that got promoted yeah They've had to be let go. Other teams have already got their visa players. Yeah. So you've got potentially five, six players that should be in the NPL mm-hmm. that are now back playing in Division One again. Yeah. So how has that improved the NPL by having to release players and then bring in yeah bring in uh, players that may may be less than them, but it just ticks boxes. Mm. And we don't want our top division in 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 local football to be a, no. A ticking boxes but then I suppose the other thing that's happened is that there's been lots of guys who've been playing in reserve teams for the MPL sides who've decided to drop out of those and play for first team mm-hmm. um, Division 1 and Division 2 who have now reaped the benefits of playing first team football who are then now getting picked up by the MPL sides um, a year or two later because they've now 
got that experience of playing first team football because as you know massive difference between playing resis and first team oh we could start (laughs) we could have a whole radio show on oh yeah absolutely the under 20s league but no you're totally right it's 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 important for development that that young players get to play but i think some of these some of these restrictions have um a detrimental effect on the development of players as well. I know when I played as a 17, 18-year-old back in the UK, we had guys 35 playing in the team, you know, that old wide centre-half or central midfielder who basically ran the team as non-field coach and had all those young kids yeah. running around doing all his work for him. But we, we learnt the game through these journeymen. And, you know, imagine... Um, we talk about Sorrento with Neil Kilkenny in their midfield. Yeah. Um, he's part of their coaching staff. But to have one of your coaches on the park, more yeah. than capable yeah. of playing at that level, yeah. but also then coaching the people around him, that, uh, from a development curve, that, that's just massive. Well, yeah, of course. You want to have your young up-and-coming stars surrounded by players that are capable of showing them and leading the way and, yeah. and also guiding them, giving them knowledge, having conversations with them, etc., you want to see your young players surrounded by those sort of players. Oh, absolutely. But then it's also when they're off the park in, in on the training track. Um, you know, I imagine that, that Neil, when he goes training, he isn't switched off. He's switched on from no, the moment he sharing, turns up. They set experience. a standard in training. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've, we've had a number of people who've been playing at MPL level or for Perth Glory um, step back into our club at times and the difference you see in the way they approach training and the influence they have over other players who look at them and go, Jesus, this guy's played at the top level in this state and he's still working hard in training. It inspires those people around them to work just as hard. So I think, look, it's, it's a great thing to have those players in and I know when Johnny Perkins came over from from Ireland and ended up at Ashfield um, his warm-up for a goalkeeper was more than I've seen most of our keepers doing a game so again you know it just sets a whole new level for people to to aspire to and Johnny was more than capable of playing in NPL levels as he proved when he he went to ECU Um, but because he was a visa player he was denied that and and the the Premier League was denied him yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so. there's enough about that. That's off that soapbox. I'm going to ring Kalichi. <laughs> we'll be back with him very shortly. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's, and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth, and seniors. The fun, fast paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432-745-140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Cristiano Ronaldo. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in.
You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. All right, now I said earlier on that, um, you know, pe- people can tell a proper footballer because, you know, but when you can be referred to universally by one name, um, you know, like Messi or Pele or whatever, that you, you've really made it as a footballer. Well, our, our next guest is um, Kalichi Osuma, but he's known universally across this state as Kalichi. Kalichi, good morning. You've made it, son. Good morning, guys. I really appreciate it because Kalichi isn't a common name in this part of the world. It's Kalichi is basically Nigerian John, where I'm from. <laughs> so the fact the fact that I'm here and there's not a lot of Kalichis and, and I could just be identified by a Kalichi is great. Oh, look, I think if anyone I talk to in football, if I if I say Kalichi, everyone knows it's you. So, you know, um, <laughs> that's that uh, to me is one of those things that um, it's just beautiful when it just happens. You don't get, you don't get to choose that. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. How's the morning been? Can I sorry, sorry, Cal, Can I just say that um, this is the first time hosting, and I get to uh, share the airwaves with Mister Mister WA Football Kalichi. I was just looking back at your history. You you uh, were involved in the Backpackers, Casuals, yep. you do podcasts, yep. you yep. organise charity events, the you far post, the women's games, and you are also the holder of the worst tackle ever in WA football history. <laughs> what a man! You are the football community personified. <laughs> I feel like there's this huge legend being created oh. and I've just been lucky to have done stuff that was on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Look, myths and legends, that's how they grow, son. That's that's the way it works in this state. Um talking but of... I, I, I will not I will not accept the moniker uh, Mr. WA football. That's Tommy Dolman. That's absolutely Tommy Dolman and I'm not taking it away from him. Mr. No. Stats. Mr. Stats. Well, no, that's that's Pete Skeeler. Pete, Pete is a stat man. We need a stat off. Yeah, absolutely we do. Um, well, I don't know. I was talking to um, one of the producers from um, Paramount and he was saying that he uses Pete, Pete uh, Skeeler's stats for oh, his really? games research. So, <laughs> Pete, no, honestly, Pete looked like he just won a gold medal in the World Cup, you know. Um, <laughs> brilliant. You know, for him, it, it just made everything he did all those years in that little dark room, you know, between <laughs> popping pimples, um, worthwhile. And it's just, you know, it's amazing what this game can do. You can enjoy it in so many different ways and levels. And I think, you know, even statisticians can enjoy this game. Anyway, while we're here, we're talking about myths and legends. And the the legend that was Stuart Blacker um, is the, the reason you're on air today talking to us, um, Kalichi. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about Stuart and uh, why we're doing what we're doing today? Okay, well, look, I, I need to put my hand up and say that I am not the aficionado on Stuart Blacker. Um, but I am a relatively good friend and one who he um, let me know about his condition a while ago and basically a couple of days before he ended up eventually leaving, he said, look, can you help organise something for us? But Stu was a referee. He was a good referee. He wasn't the best referee, but he was a good referee. But I think what set him apart from other referees was just the person he was. He was so easy to get along with. He had this affectionate attitude um, he was infectious as a person. He'd always have a chat with you after the game. And he just loved football so much that he'd put his hand up for everything. So when we mention Hub Football Leagues, when we mention Harmony Cup charity events, um, when we mention Sunday League, MPL, State League, I've, I went back and looked at notes since I started covering the game in WA in 2014. And my earliest earliest point was a Stuart Blacker game against um, involving Armadale. So he's someone who's been around the community for so long and unfortunately he um, he passed away last week 
And um, yeah, I suppose in kind of cementing his, his legacy as, as such a good referee and such a good bloke and someone who's touched the community in such a long way, we've been lucky enough to organise a, a football frenzy for him today at the Football Centre in Osborne Park. And, and hopefully, um, it looks like it's too late to have him have that send-off and him be there, but I think it's a great way for his family to also turn up and just see the impact he's had on the footballing community. And also for the football community to get involved, turn up or, or contribute in whatever way they can. Mm. Um, because obviously <clears throat> one of the things that I see, in the, particularly in WA, is in times of adversity, we all surround each other, we all wrap an arm around each other and we all look after each other extremely well. Um, Absolutely. You know, and it's not just him, there's been lots of other things over the years. <clears throat> but it's good to see that that community come together and uh, no. you know we 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 were all enemies on the park for the the time the game's on, but you know off. And once we walk off that that white line, um, it's all flags down. And we're all just mates, and I think that's how it should be. Yeah, I think there's I think there's so many things that connect us um, in in life, and especially when you put it into football, it is a relatively small community, um, despite you know the numbers that we have, but. When it's time when tough things happen, people do band together, whether it was the Harmony Cup a few years ago, whether it was the, the events that we're doing right now for Paul Oliver, um, whether it was Danny Hodgson a few years ago as well. So yeah, it knows it knows no bounds that as a community we can get together and stick together. And and I suppose when something like cancer that doesn't just you know affect only a small amount of people, something like cancer affects almost everybody. I'd, I'd be shocked to know anyone who wasn't affected by a degree of separation or two degree separation. Um, and so when something like that happens, it's, it's so good for us to come together and put that, like you said, put that rivalry aside and kind of join forces and say, hey, listen, let's get together, do something good, um, show love to the community and kind of help out whenever we can. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think um, it starts at 4.15. You've got, what, how many teams involved? Um... Yeah, so we've got... And I got to also thank John O'Reilly here. He was one of the people that I picked the phone up to and, and had a call about, and he kind of set me up straight and made me have an even better idea around it. But basically, we've got games from 4.15 up until, I want to say, 8.30 when um, Liverpool play Crystal Palace. Yep. And it's 30-minute games. We've got 14 teams. Goodness gracious me. We had 14 teams, and 12 of those teams all said yes within within 24 hours um, of us putting that post up. That just shows you how many people Stuart touched. Mm. Um, and it's, it's um, yeah, we have, we've got some raffle tickets. We've got prizes and donations. Um, it's 30 minutes of football. Um, we've got teams in the Amateur Premier League. We've got teams in the State League. We've got players who have played in the NPL. We've got players who've represented WA State. We've got social players, masters players. And I think that's just such a good representation of our community at large. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's at Osborne Park. So if you're, if you've got a bit of time and you want to get down there between 4.15 um, and 8.30 and just watch some football, do some raffles um, and support the community, it'd be great to see you down there. And, and John tells me that, you know, with all those other social footballers and, and semi-pro footballers, what have you, he's also playing himself. So it's nice to see the, the non-footballers getting a run as well. <laughs> I don't want to stitch John up here, but the last time I saw him play five-a-side, he did a whole lot more um, coaching and, and tactical organising than he did playing. So it'd be interesting to see him actually on the ball and see what skills he's got. Oh, right. uh, can, can I just show him, Kel, like, so with, with what's been organised today... Um, just to carry on from what you've just said, uh, like 
I only knew Stuart in passing. I, I didn't know him very closely. Um, but w- what today kind of represents to me is it's, it's football's given so much to me over the last 15, 16 years. And for it to give me the pleasure that it has, it means the community has to be involved. You know, the teams, the players you play with, the, 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 the committees that do so much for clubs and, and for opposition to play against you, etc. There's so many people involved that... I think when, when somebody from our community um, passes on or, or is in need, um, it's so important for players, for coaches, for everyone really to, to feel that they owe something to football because mm. it takes up so much of our lives. You know, like uh, our wives can vouch for that. It takes up so much of our time. Um, and, and for some people, you know, like if, if it weren't for them, then the rest of us can't play. So, yeah. so today is such an important thing. And, and even if there's people out there listening on the radio that aren't involved in actually playing today like we'd be more than welcome to have them down we've got raffles we've got Absolutely. drink specials and, and all the proceeds uh, are going to charity um, cancer charity funds today so so every dollar get, that gets spent today is going to a good cause so if anyone can pop down for 20 minutes uh, an hour and and, and also if you involved, even if you can't pop down i believe that there is a gofundme page yeah, there is there is a GoFundMe page. We'll share it again on um, on social media. You can find it on the Perth Football Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, and actually, we've been really, really fortunate by one of the sponsors to set up a little website specifically for this event. So as soon as that website gets running, you'll be able to find it there as well. Brilliant. Now, I've just been going through the, the names of some of these teams, and it's... Um it's like a who's who of football. No, it's great. I think it's. I think Stuart would really appreciate the humour. You know, the the Subiaco Mad Social Team, um, yeah. Jarvie's Green Machine, um, South Perth Not So Old Boys, Frio Clowns. The the. Can bull- I can I just say a, a quick yeah. word about Jarvie's Green Machine? So, yeah. Jarvie's Green Machine was a team from uh, Olympic Kingsway. They were um yeah. one of their players, and I think he was an inspirational figure in that in that club. But he also um lost his battle with cancer as well yeah and so when when we mentioned that this was happening they put their hand up straight away and they've actually donated not just enough for one team but enough for three teams wow and like you're like you're saying john that just shows you the impact that the people have where they've said hey listen this is something that's impacted us and these are for people who have given to the game and we just want to give back yeah Yeah. um then billboard billies are my absolute favorite is fun tingle bang toggle tang what a name! That's that should be a club in itself. I think. I've got no idea what the name means, but I can't wait to Who see. Cares? Who cares? Who cares? I mean, this is this is taking a a social competition to the next level. That's that's just super social of them. I think it's great, and I think Stuart would have really appreciate that sense of humour that's going through it. Um, now you mentioned there, obviously, Javi um, was a cancer um, sufferer, and, and obviously was uh, succumbed to the disease. It does happen. Everybody's family has been touched in one way or another mm. by the big C, which is a word, not a sentence. Um, but I think also what it does drive into, and we look at um, you know things, things like DT38, which is around testicular cancer, um, but there's, there's so much out there that, you know, we, we as men have been able to just, you know, don't worry about me, I'm tough, 
Um, yeah. But we're learning that's not the right way. And, you know, if you feel there's something wrong, get yourself to the doctor, please. Um, for those of us who are of a certain age, we, we every year or two I get a, a little package through the post. And, you know, it's not often you get to, to post your poop, but um, it's well worth doing. And it does give you some peace of mind when you get the test coming back saying you're clear. But even more so, as happened to a close friend of mine, he sent his off in the post, expected it to come back clear, and he went, no, we've detected that you may have cancer. So he got treatment very, very, very early on and very minimal treatment, and he is now clear. So, you know, I suppose the thing is don't ignore those signs. And when we talk about cancer is, is the big one, testicular cancer, obviously, but there's so many other health ailments, particularly around mental health, and Absolutely. I think, you know, people have got to remember it's it's okay not to be okay and you need to talk to someone. I'd much rather someone rang, rang a close friend, rang you or me and said, look, I'm struggling, bro, rather than we get these, um, and as we did last season, a post up that a young man or a young lady has removed themselves from this world, which is not good, yeah. you know. Um, this, this game can give you so much, but it can give so much more. And I suppose that's, that's that connection to people. And we're going to talk to the walking football um, next. But, you know, when you look at it, some of the, the guiding principles of, woke, of walking football are social connection, mental health, physical Absolutely. health, you know, and these are all things we can't ignore. So, you know, whilst we're, we're coming together post-tragedy, I think we should also be rallying around each other pre-tragedy no I, I think i think that's i think that's so spot on and i'm glad that you've, you've mentioned it as well i remember reading up about how covid was one of the biggest catalysts for people to realize how bad isolation was yeah um and and you know you you realize just how important being around people is and having that community and having that connection and i think you know when we talk about mental health i think in a lot of ways previously um men in particular they didn't quite you know, know how to behave or know what to look for. And, you know, you might have known someone who was, you know, a bit of an alcoholic and you just think, you know, this person really loves the bottle when deep down inside they're going through things mentally and they're using alcohol as some sort of way to cope. So there's all these telltale signs that we might have and it would be really good for people to have that conversation, mm. especially from a, from a mental health perspective. If you are, um, you know, if you are on Medicare, there are there are subsidies that you can actually get that will allow you to speak to somebody, um, and that that becomes subsidised cost for yourself. So if you do need that, by all means, go and, and go and have a look at that. And it is, I mean, I'm I'm someone who has one myself because of the crazy thoughts that go into my head and the amount of time that I spend doing football and not doing other stuff. So it's it's something that I would recommend to anybody is to to go and find someone that you can speak to. And it's honestly, it's the, it's the same as having a chat with your mates and talking football. Mm. You're just talking about your feelings. And I reckon that's something that we all need to do more as men as well. But I suppose the, the, one of the comments you made there was just, just a bit of an alcoholic. You're never just a bit. You either yeah. you are or you're not. And, and yeah. people who accept it then f facilitate it. And I suppose this is part of the issue that we... There are things that we accept. And I know last year, and I'm not going to get into the, the machinations of it, but, you know... Um, casual racism suddenly becomes um, acceptable and then before you know where you are, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't have to talk to you about this, Kalichi, you know how it happens. Yeah. <clears throat> but people accept it and, and they go, oh, that's just that's just so-and-so, he's, he's a bit of a bigot, but no, he's not, he's a racist. Um, yeah. And we need to call it out and we need to, look, it's also 
a lack of understanding from that, that person's point of view. And I, look, as someone who grew up in the 60s and 70s in England, um, you know, I was exposed to a multicultural society very early on in my life, but also got exposed to an awful lot of racists as well. Um, so I, I know how it is from both sides of the coin. But, uh, you know, humanity is, is something we need to remember is, is colourless. Can I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can, I, can I bring this back round to... Yeah. to um, we were discussing about like the, with, the, with the cancer and yeah. with people talking to each other, etc. I just remember when I was growing up, you know, people talking of illness was was nearly non-existent. Yeah. Uh, from from like the boomer boomer generation, etc. You know, it, it was very much like just get on with life. Um, just just now, I feel that more people are talking about it, and that just builds awareness. Um, and that, that the thing with the thing with mental health and just like you know, as we discussed about people talking about cancers and illnesses. The reward is not seen. So we don't know that the communication that people have actually affects and saves people um, more often than not. Like when we talk about mental health, just asking someone, are you okay, mm. mate? What are you up to today? Just being a nice guy and just being caring for each other like does actually save people. But we just don't realise that we've affected someone um, because it does help people. Um, with with the cancer side of things, like um, I remember there's, there's, there's a gentleman who's currently in the in football the community who made it quite open about his cancer battle. Um, and then I, I, myself, like yourself, Sean, I, mm. I had something that was bugging me in my back, like just, just I had a pain that was there for a long period of time. And literally because of, of this gentleman in the football community that had kind of expressed or told people about his journey, it literally was the trigger for me to go and get myself um, looked into. Yeah. Uh, and I spoke to him about it and I told him that he he'd, what he'd done had helped me, and, and I was lucky. Touch wood, like you know, it came back clear. Um, but it allowed peace of mind, and, it, and and if anything had been there, then hopefully I would have caught it at a stage that could be dealt with. So, it's important these communications and, and awareness that we build around all types of uh, you know health, not just mental, not just body, but all types of health. It's important that these become talked about um, scenarios because it does it does affect people. And we don't necessarily see the result of how we affect people, but it's it's all positive. No, and I suppose the other thing is that we don't see the the detrimental effects that you know a stray comment could make or um, a lack of awareness could make mm, as well. True. So, um, you know, I think it's it's just important that we do communicate. There is help out there, as you've already said, Kalitri, mm. um, and there's always someone somewhere who, if they don't know what to do they know someone who does um and there's, there's lots of mental health agencies out there that can help um and you know look it you can be in a sea of people and still be alone so um you know it's just knowing that makes a difference no it it, it absolutely does and like john like john said a lot of it, a lot of it is awareness mm. and i think i think for for a lot of people it's not necessarily knowing where to start yeah. how to go i think for a lot of us, we are really, really busy in our daily lives and don't give a lot of time to sit and think and reflect and assess. And so when you have those people who have done that for you and you now know where the avenue is to go to, you know what I mean? It's, it's the same as trying to find a football club. If you've just arrived to some place and you're in a new country, you're a new city, new town, you need to have one reference point to say, actually, mate, there's a group of lads over, who are over here who play good football, come and join us. And the exact same way, if you have one person say, mate, there's this person that you could speak to, mm. that gives you so much more awareness and access because you just don't know. 
Yes. All right, Kalichi. Um, unfortunately, all good things come to an end. Um, we're rushing for time now, so I need to thank you for your time this morning. I know you've got a lot to go through to, to get everything yeah. ready for this afternoon, but really appreciate what you're doing for the community and the time that you, you've put in to this event. No, mate, look, honestly, it's it's a pleasure. I I, I think I think in the same way that... um. That, uh, that John said, I appreciate the work that you guys do as well. A lot of football is a lot of hard work behind the scenes and no one sees but just like to complain about. So I completely understand how, how it is and it's just good to give back and, and feel some joy, especially at this time of the year as well. So yeah, thank Absolutely. you guys so much. And, and if you can come down, get to the football centre from four. Um, I'll be there a little bit earlier, but yeah, get to the football centre from four, come watch some football, come uh, eat some food, put some money behind the bar and um, let's do some good. Absolutely. Thank Excellent. you, Kalichi. Thanks, Kel. Cheers, John. Cheers, Sean. Take it easy, mate. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoe, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. That's the vagaries of live radio for you. Um, unfortunately, Paul's not picking up his phone. We'll see if we can get back to him very shortly. Um, we're talking about walking football, John, and I, I know um, touched on it with Kalichi about the, the mental health aspects of playing um, sport, but... Um, very important that uh, we connect to other people. And I know for myself, uh, with my history, playing walking football has been um, a real benefit to me getting back to, to love the game. And I know for yourself it's been a, a similar experience. Yeah, totally. Um, look, I, I think when you've grown up with football, um, you take it a little bit for granted how much it, it, it is part of your life, um, both physically and, and socially. Uh, and I think what walking football can do is it, it, it can extend your your playing career uh, into your into your twilight years, um, which is which is both good for body and mind. Uh, and on a social level, it allows people to stay connected as as players. But, but also, there's lots of people under the age of fifty who, um, for rehab purposes or just for for whatever reasons, can't play at a competitive level, um, who are able to compete at a, a local level. True, walking football is not a, a, an age thing or a, a retirement home, so to speak. It's it's a, it's an opportunity for anybody who can't play 
normal football or, or be involved in normal football that get an opportunity to continue on the sport that they love? Oh, yeah. Look, at, I don't know when it started off in England 10 years ago. It was um, primarily aid, aid, aimed at over 50s. But, um, oh, what's happened there? Um, it's dropped out again. That <laughs> goes, isn't it? Um, but I know that um, for younger people... Um, who have been out of the game for a while, hard to walk back into a team playing 90-minute games. You can start off with walking football, build on your skills, build on your confidence, connect with the club, uh, etc. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like I, I, strangely enough, I was actually in Mallorca um, with, uh, on a holiday uh, last year and uh, I was walking, walking down by the beach and I heard this, this, uh, this f- sound like a festival on in the background. And I took a little wander down there to see what it was, and I actually came across that there's a, there was an international tournament, a walking football tournament, and not only were they playing the football, but the actual surroundings um, was set up uh, like a festival event. They had a DJ playing in the background. They had food. They had chefs. They had all the mini stalls. So it was uh, it was amazing to see that from what we do on a sort of like local level, just going down to the local club to play. Um, but yeah, you could actually. You know, play internationally. You can go overseas. All the things that you do as a youngster when you went on tours, you can do that into uh, into all ages of life now. Oh, look for, for me, and I, I went uh, for me recently. I went to Malaysia, um, oh, awesome, playing football for Australia. Um, yeah. Something I never thought possible at sixty-two. Yeah. Um, but you know, with with a great bunch of people that mm. you know were not in my friendship group, but I've I've now expanded my friendship group by about sixty or seventy people, yeah. um, and that's just this country plus the people I met over there. So there's there's a lot going on, but I'm I'm socially connected, which really helps in yeah. in a sport that I absolutely love, and it's it's just been an absolute godsend to me. Yeah, no, and likewise myself getting involved in in the sport has brought me back into playing the game, not just coaching it. Um, and, and it's just an eye opener to see, like you know, that that is so strong. Uh, football is so strong in the community that brings people together to uh, to enjoy, enjoy, and uh, basically have that social. But even some of the dads that have been playing with their kids, you see the the improvement in the the level of those kids who, you know, they all want to run, but it's made them slow their game down and think about their playing options and what they they do. So with with walking football in WA, Sean, like um, what levels are currently uh, available to the to the community? Um, well, for men, oops, for men, it's um, fifty plus. So there's um, from fifty right the way through to seventies. They're all different teams, but at local level, um, we play socially. Men's fifty upwards at some clubs. Some clubs aren't that specific, and we, uh, so Ashfield, we have uh, men and women playing um, of all ages. Uh, women generally forty plus. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the tournament that we're holding in August next year will be the um, Pan Pacific Championship, uh, which that is held? that's going to be held at the Sam Kerr Football Centre in August. And we're going to have uh, a 50s, 60s and 70s men's competition. So um, a lot of guys are still very competitive in 70 plus. And for the women, we're looking at 40s and 50s. So there's um, a lot of opportunities for, for both. And, and then on top of that, also a mixed competition. With the, is that mixed men and women or mixed age groups? Mixed, women, mixed men and women. Do you think yeah. we'll see anything that will cater um, for like your 30s and 40s groups in the near future? 
I don't know, to be honest. I think, you know, the, the temptation to run, even at 50s and 60s, is still there. Um, and a lot of guys come, come and, and play, but they, you know, the, one of the biggest complaints is running. And I know when I played at the State Festival of Walking Football recently, yeah. um, we had independent referees. This is, they weren't people that were actually involved in playing for other teams. And the the standard of refereeing really dictated in that competition that as soon as you started running, you were picked up for it, which was great yeah. and, and kept everybody honest. So yeah. I think, you know, um, whilst playing is very important, there's also, um, I think, a growing need now for referees. So if there are guys out there who've um, finished a refereeing career yeah. but still want to be involved in the game and still want to connect with people in the game, there's an avenue for them to um, be involved in walking football at a refereeing level. I know we sent a team to Zurich to the FIFA World Cup okay. two years ago um, and one of the players that went with them was also a referee and he refereed um, a lot of the games there, including the final, oh, awesome. and um, he actually won the award for the the best referee there. So did he uh, did he do the old Clattenburg and did he uh, get a tattoo of the uh, the World Cup final on his uh, on his forearm? I don't know, but Paul, the person <laughs> I was hope, hopefully interviewing, um, yeah. has a has a laser machine, so he could probably do it for him. You know, <laughs> um, no, no. But the the thing is that there's still opportunities there, and as I said, this guy's picked up a, an award for being a referee. So there's you can still be involved in the game and I suppose that's the important part of this is it's about that social connection yeah. you may not have it in you to to run around for for 90 minutes on a on a Sunday afternoon yeah. but certainly for walking football um you know that tournament we played was a few hours but you could referee 15 minute games yeah. um you know basically without having to do a lot of moving yeah. um but it's it's just important that we have referees involved and I think that's one of the things I wanted to talk to Paul about was um, getting those people involved because socially at club level, um, we all self-referee and, you know, there's, there are clubs around that are very strict on whether it's mixed or, or um, whether it's just men and women. And then there's also um, clubs that don't worry about it so much. So from a social event, for me, I think we just get as many people involved as possible. Um, from a a national competition basis, obviously, as I said, 40s plus women, 50s plus men, um, so that we can at least then play for our state or play for the nation <coughs> in other competitions. So you've got the Australian Masters Games where um, teams have been included in that and there's no reason why um, we couldn't and shouldn't be involved in Masters Teams games. There's the Pan Pacific Championships, which um, get played as well. So that one is a, a national representation. Um, internationally, there was the, uh, as I said, the FIFA World Cup, where um, I know the AWFA have uh, sent teams for the last few years. So we've always had a, a team, for, um, the Exiles, who go out to the FIFA World Cup and they, they play in the FIFA World Cup. But this year there was a, an IWFA, FI, FIWFA World Masters Cup in Cardiff okay. um, just played and there was yeah. another one in England before that. <coughs> so there's, there's lots going on. 
Um, last week, there was uh, exhibition games at uh, Dorian Gardens for football foundations. Mm. So whilst we had blind football, equal footing ball, um, we also had um, walking football there as well. Awesome. So there's lots of options for people to be involved in, in the game at those, at those levels. But, you know, there's... And it seems to be two streams that are now um, developing across the, the country is a social league or a social um, competition. And then the for those people who are just a little bit more in tune or competitive, you can actually play now for your state, your country, um, in events around the, 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 the nation and the world. So if, um, if, if people are listening to this show today and they, um, they hear us talking about this, uh, about walking football, yeah. how do they get involved? Is there a website? Is there an association here? <coughs> Earth, um, well, certainly if you hit, hit our webpage, there's um, some links there to the, the walking football. If you put walking football in your search engine, um, no matter where you are in the country, something will come up locally. There's um, a big walking football community in New South Wales, Melbourne, um, Queensland and Adelaide. So yeah. But here um, in Perth, is, is there like an association or is at the moment, is it still... Yeah, yeah, there is. The, the um, Australian, sorry, the Association of Walking Football Australia yeah. is the, the key body um, within this state and Paul was um, involved in that and I know they were going to an AGM very shortly so he may have had to drop off for that. But um, they coordinate just about everything that happens in this state. Yeah. You've got in the Peel region, the Peel region have their own body set up in the metropolitan area, it's more around about individual clubs. So you've got Wanneroo, Ashfield, um, Perth Royals, Subiaco, um, just trying to think who else. Fox 5 on a Saturday morning runs a competition every every yeah. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. Um, so, yeah, just get on the website and have a look. There's There'll be someone near you, I'm sure. And there's, and there's leagues now? There's leagues now in no, there's no formal leagues at the moment. We're... Basically, um, Can it's, it go that way? Is that the it's a very, I don't know, it's, it's, whether or not there's a demand for it. I think at the moment, people like to be able to pop up once a week. I know there's a lot of guys who go to Ashfield on a Monday, they go to Royals on a Tuesday, they go to um, Wanneroo on a Wednesday, yeah. and then on a Thursday, I think Subiaco have started. So yeah. <clears throat> most days of the week, there's something going on. I'm involved in the Asheville one there, and I think yeah. I think there's a group of how many would you say are in the group to to play in Asheville there? Um, in the group the itself, there's like forty odd people that yeah. will come down at different times, but generally we're we're getting around about twenty ish at the moment. Yeah, I remember coming down there a few probably about four yeah. weeks ago. If Lee doesn't turn up with his kids, it drops by about <laughs> half. But you know. Yeah, but there was there was uh, we. I remember we got two two pitches up and running. We had a round robin. So yeah, for a social event, when things like that happen, um, it's it's nice to get that little uh, competitiveness when you're actually in a team and you're trying to trying to win again. So I think for people like myself that that come from that that level that want to <laughs> still have that feeling of winning, it it was actually a really enjoyable night. Yeah. Oh, look, and, and that's the whole point of it is that the social one is is really good, um, and it's about that connection. I know. Um, the, the the Asheville one's become very popular with um, a lot of the girls and the girls are turning up That's on a regular right, yeah. basis. Um, and unlike some of the ones I've seen where people don't pass the ball or <laughs> ignore them, it's actually not like that at yeah. all. Yeah. One thing I found when I'm when I'm playing the game is it it it, it 
feels like you can see the things that you may not see when the game is moving too fast. So for, for younger players and for girls that are learning, young boys that are learning the game, it's a great opportunity to kind of see the game and, and see moments that will only kind of help you once you go back out onto that big pitch. Absolutely. As I said, I've seen a lot of kids who've come through, um, you know, playing with the dad, 14, 14 years of age, come back as a 15-year-old. And, mm. you know, you, you do see there are changes in the way they approach the game. Yeah. And, and they're making the ball do the work, which is actually more important in walking football than it is in the running game. Yes, and your movement off the ball. Because you don't get the opportunity to run with the ball. Correct. Yeah, I, f- I feel that like futsal, in the same essence as futsal, is is a tool for um, eleven aside later on in life. Um, I see that the the walking football kind of offers that same opportunity to players that maybe don't have that skill set yet, but are still in their learn their early learning curve to play the game. So it's definitely got benefits to the younger generation. Oh, look, well. and I know we we've done this before when we've had higher numbers. Is we've restricted it down to two touches, mm-hmm. or that you could only score in your first touch. Yeah. Um, which again, uh, are interesting little adaptions to the game, but you're you're doing it at a much reduced speed. But the good thing about that is it takes away the ability to someone to dribble if yeah. you've only got two or three touches to play with. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously for for the final ball, um, learning to hit the ball first time. Yeah. Yeah. Is is actually not a bad skill to have. So yeah. um, it allows you to slow down the the game for a younger player yep. um, to concentrate on those basics. And the other thing is that you, you need to be able to pass a ball reasonably accurately. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing how many players cannot or, or don't do that properly. Yeah, and I've also noticed that um, obviously depending on the, the level of players that are there, it becomes kind of like a training session where you can manipulate the rules of the game, as you just mentioned, with the, the passing, the touch, uh, I've seen also like they've put in like shooting lines, you know, so you can't shoot unless you're within the park. So it encourages good football, encourages good movement. Um, yeah, it's 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 like it's like golf in a sense. You can handicap the game so that everybody gets like a maximum benefit based on the the group that's playing it. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and that's how it should be. And I think that you know the fact that we slowed the game down um, is not a bad thing. But the other thing is, and I suppose this is the for for you and you you'd certainly buy into this being a younger person is that the a lot of people look at the walking football and think oh that's a joke it's it's not much of a workout and um everyone looks silly once you got over that mm. and once you start playing the game yeah. um you realize that how much walking you actually do mm. um and although yeah it does look like the ministry of funny walks at times <laughs> um it's actually a, a very good um, format of the game. Yeah, well, it's like going to the gym at the start. It doesn't matter what you look like. You're there for your own reasons. And yeah. And like I said, like I, I was one of those people that looked down on the football because I didn't understand it. But then when I got to a situation where I, I felt I just needed to get back involved in something active and get my mobility up, up and moving again, um, it was a fantastic opportunity to get back into a sport. And from from the back of playing walking football, it's opened me up now. I'm doing a bit of running, a bit of um, uh, uh, what's it called boxing, back swimming, back riding. So like yeah. if I hadn't done the walking football, it wouldn't have got me back on my feet again and moving around as much as I'm enjoying I'm, I'm the same. Ashley, we, we've been doing the walking football for a few years now and it's certainly... Um, opened me up to a whole world of opportunities. But the other thing that's happened is that they started a, a running sevens competition, yeah. which um, 
one of the teams was short, so I ended up playing for them. And that was the first time it actually ran in three years. Yeah. Um, and I must admit, um, it's not something I want to to develop or, or to become a running footballer again. Yeah. But it's just interesting that I could actually even just think about going back, back to it, it and, yeah. and being involved in it. And again, that's just a, another progression that wouldn't have been there if I hadn't been walk, doing the walking football. Yeah. I'd be nowhere near fit enough to even think about it. Yeah, I think I think with the walking football compared to the you know the run, normal football running for even on a smaller scale, it's just that low impact. Um, allows people to come in and just play at their pace, play mm. comfortably. And, and that's what I was looking for. I just wanted to be able to do a sport where I was comfortable. Uh, I remember my last few years of playing football where it actually hurt whilst I was yeah. playing. And and that's what you don't want to experience. So it was nice getting back into the walking And I suppose the other thing is, and I know it's the same for all the other um, club venues I mentioned, like um, Wanneroo and Subiaco and um, Perth Royals. But... Um, most people can give up a night to go and, and play football for an hour or two. And I suppose this is the thing about having a league. Um, we've got lots of guys who FIFO. We've got other guys who fly out yeah. on business. Um, some people just have things come up, as I did myself on Monday. Mm. And you can just drop out of that and not do it. Yeah. It's not yeah. overly invasive, but it's addictive enough to keep you coming every week. That's right. Without having, with a league, without I think... a full commitment. <clears throat> and the other thing is that the seriousness of it um, steps up. And I know, and, and maybe when we get players that are looking to play for state or for, for national level, so that a league of some sort would be um, viable. But most of us are involved in clubs anyway. Mm. Um, and those that aren't, aren't that invested in a league. But if we had enough people who were serious about it, I just find that when you get to those serious levels, um, the intensity goes up, the enjoyment goes down. So, you know, particularly when you're playing against people who are win at all cost mm -hmm. uh, and you know what it's like. Um, and it is, I mean, it can still be very competitive in the yeah. um, social areas, but most of it gets weeded out. And, yeah. you know, as you become more aware of the rules, um, you don't tackle as much as you used to. And, you, you know, you, it, it is actually a much, much better format of the game, particularly mm. if you're older. You don't need to be getting kicked. No. And for a defender to learn to stand someone up and make them play the ball back is actually not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's actually a, a, a very good format of the game. But also um, player safety is foremost. I know in, mm. in the comp that we had um, at the football centre, um, if a player fell over, the game stopped. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we, we shouldn't be playing for sheep stations. You know, God's sake, I'm over 60. I should not have to be <laughs> playing for sheep stations. And you would hope at the 70s it's even less. You know, yeah, the yeah. celebration for me is walking out there and kicking a piece of leather around for 15 minutes. Yeah. That, that's the win. Yeah, yeah. After yeah. that, anything else is a bonus. And it doesn't matter whether we win or lose a game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I base my performance on what I do, not but what happens in the general field of things. Yeah. I like to contribute to a win. Yeah, of course. Sometimes that's not always possible. True. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, yeah, and sometimes I get frustrated, but, you know, that's that's the, the whole point of the game. All right, now, I've had a message from Paul. He is caught up in a meeting, so that I thought that might happen to us. But never mind, the vagaries of football, and I think we managed to cover the gaps. Um, but look, for anyone who's interested in playing walking football, um, get onto our website or just put walking football Perth into a search engine and uh, a club near you will pop up and there'll be a competition 
any night of the week. As I said, we have people travelling from all over the place, um, from Subiaco and from Wanneroo playing uh, Ashfield and, and vice versa. So um, there is a club near you, and particularly if you're down south, um, I know the Peel region through um, Terry are very, very active. And... Um, well, we'll find a competition for you at all times of the day during the week as well. So theirs works out really well for FIFO players. All right, we're going to go to um, some adverts and we'll be back after this with Nahul Arati from Perth Glory. Oh, don't relax, I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. All right, as we spoke at the, the top of the show about um, Perth Glory in action last night against Melbourne City, um, we'll be talking to someone who's very much involved in that game last night, in Noel Arati, and um, I'll apologise for him for pronouncing his name wrong all morning, but Noel, good morning, how are you? Good morning, um... Oh, well, thank you for having me on the show. No, no, thank you for, for agreeing to come on. Um, it's quite interesting because uh, born in Buenos Aires as, a, as, as an Argentinian, um, but you ended up playing for uh, Timor as an international. How did that happen? No, um, actually, I didn't end up playing for, for Timor, ah. um, even though I think, I think he mentions it on one of the on Google or something. Um, they wanted me to play because my wife's... Um, She's of Portuguese background, and the family had lived in Timor. Oh, long okay. Story short, long story short, they they thought they could get me over, but um, yeah, it just didn't eventuate. So, so no. yeah, nah. never <laughs> trust never trust Google. That's the lesson there, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. So you're you're born in in Argentina to obviously uh, a nation that's besotted in in uh, the religion of football. Um, you've come out to Australia as an eight year old. Funny enough, it's the same year I brought my eight-year-old out to this country as well. So I know very much what that, that journey's like. Um, but for you as, as an eight-year-old coming from Argentina to Australia, it must have been um, a very different world. Yeah, I, I still, still remember like it was yesterday coming to Australia, not knowing how to speak English and, um, you know, just uh, adapting to a different lifestyle, different culture, different language. Um, different school system, everything was so, so different. But um, I guess, like I've always said in, in previous interviews, the, 
I think the, my blessing, or I was blessed enough to, to be able to, through football, to integrate into to the Australian community pretty quickly, especially in lunchtime. Um, yeah. And to be able to play and the round ball gave me that opportunity. So, so yeah, but no, it, was very, it wasn't easy, but um, obviously it was a unforgettable experience to be able to come to such a beautiful country. It's one of the things I mentioned to people at local level, and I think you know people underplay the importance of a, a club um, within the the fabric of society. But you know, I came out from the UK, and obviously had the advantage of being able to speak English. But other than that, I had no other supports within this country when I came out with my family. My connection to a football club was what connected me to the community, and through that. I've made lifelong friends. I've got lots of associates and people that are all from, all stem from that one club and then the other clubs that I've been associated with since. So I imagine very much for you being non-English speaking, coming into a club, um, it was very important within your upbringing and, and your social connections. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a massive part of us, um, especially for, for my parents. Who, again, they didn't speak English and you know, through through that football, that sporting club community gave them the opportunity to, to integrate into to obviously the Australian culture and Australian sporting community. Yeah. Um, and lifelong friends were made. And obviously still have got a lot of friends that uh, you make along the way and, and people that you meet through through football. Um, and I, I guess it's, it's any sport for that matter. Uh, it doesn't have to be football, but I think uh, the, the, the sense of the club or belonging to something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very, very important. Yeah, I know. Look, it's just it's just nice to understand the backgrounds of people and where they, they've come through. Now, you've obviously followed through the football system. You played for um, Sydney United and then Wollongong Wolves. Yes, yes. I, was, um, I played all, all my juniors at Marconi. <laughs> and then, um, funny enough, when we came to Australia, we went to Marconi. We thought it was a small club compared to, to Argentina. And yep. knowing at the time, it was one of the biggest clubs in Australia at the time. Um, and then I played all my juniors there until I was 16 and then went to New South Wales Institute of Sport and um, had a still a year in Argentina in Boca Juniors um, then came back and signed with Sydney United first grade um, as an 18 year old and made my debut there in the old National League uh, played four seasons there and then full and gone Wolves and then um, headed over to Johor in Malaysia for, for a season and uh, yeah sort of free taking me, giving the opportunity also to travel around the world. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it, it's not, uh, people think it's just the pathway. And once you've got your foot on that first step of the pathway, everything just happens. But you've had to work hard to, to make your way into, um, particularly that Sydney United side and then the Wollongong side. And the hard work doesn't stop once you're there, does it? No, I, I think that's, uh, there's no don't know what happened there. <laughs> all right, sorry about that. Yeah, all right, all good. Yeah, I had a gremlin in the machine. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, nah, there's no lineal pathway, I suppose. You always, my thing has always been about being ready, being mentally and physically ready to, to for any challenge that gets put in front of you. Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously, um, yeah, wherever you've been, I, I think. Times have changed a little bit now in regards to, to football as a youngster back in back in the day. And you know, there's there's a lot more in the athlete 
uh, monitoring systems now yeah. that, that allow the place to communicate with people. Oh, and the, the level of professionalism <laughs> has stepped up massively. Now, um, at some point in your life, you, you've come across this this fellow um, by the name of Stadrick, um who's been a massive influence on you in your coaching career. Yeah. Um, yeah, so funny enough, um, Stadge was my Sydney Southwest, so the, like a uh, school regional team. So it was yeah. a young teacher starting out in teaching and, and coaching, and um, I was still in year 11 or 12 kind of, um, and playing for the regional school teams, and he was, a, he was a coach, and I was actually captain of the team. And mm. then um, when I was playing National League, he was a teacher at a linear high school and, and coaching at New South Wales Institute and that. And um, used to get me in to do, like when you thought they used to organise charity games. So we've always sort of kept in touch um, since, since I was, say, 16, uh, 15, 16 years of age. So we've had a long-term sort of um, relationship through um, football. Uh, and that's again going back to what we said earlier. It's just the, the beauty of the game. Uh, it allows you to, to meet people along the way, and it's, um, and funny enough, even Steve Antonich, who's our analyst at Perth Glory, you know, we, we used to play against each other yeah. in Sydney back when in, when we were under like under 15s and mm. all our youth league and that as well. So yeah, but we've we've stayed with we've been, you know, it goes way back to that. Oh, absolutely, um, and and you've been with him with the Matildas and the Philippines and uh, Central Coast, and now you find yourself at, at Glory, and I know there's there's I mean, it, the from the NSL period, you you would understand the the history and the the expectation of the the fan group for Perth Glory. Um, but obviously now with the the ownership issues and the transition that we're in at the moment. Um, you know, it's a very different beast that we, we've got to play with. And I, th I think you've got a, a playing group which lost um, a number of players out. I know we brought in a couple of players, and, and particularly uh, Bazanic, but um, really haven't had a, a, a strong recruiting. So you really had to, to look at what you've got available and make the most of what you have until you know where you're headed with money and things. How's that transition been? Because obviously you've inherited a playing group. Um, and from what I see, um, there's a change in playing style, which isn't quite yet perfected. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, again, going, I was blessed to, to play in the old National League and played a few times here in Perth with the, with the shed pumping and, you know, very good crowds and very strong teams and, you know, I, I guess that was the like the the vision that we want to try and get the club to to fill the stands, and ultimately that's going to be driven by by results and engaging the community and um, and everyone sort of pulling the, the same way. Um, as, well, yeah, it's well documented, obviously, what what's happening with the ownership, but yeah. at the same time, we, we you know we I think the players and the staff are professional enough to to you know not not let that get to you. I think it's important to, to not mix what's happening off the field with what's happening on the field and and um, yeah, it's, it's taken a little bit it's taken a little bit of time and I think the transition period that we had at the Mariners the first year was was sort of similar where um, it was maybe even you know in a worse situation where the club was really down the bottom for six, seven years and it was it's not easy. Um, like like anything when this change is gonna be people that are going to be um, you know will take their time and have the adaptation to, to certain things, different structures, different systems, different processes, all that. Um, and you get to see the ones that are 
on the same page and the same the ones that are that are not all. So look, we're not we're not sort of we're sort of aware what's going to um, what, what needs to be done, but it's going to take time. And we we made, we said this from day one. Um, yes, of course, you want instant results, and that's not. We're not going to hide away from that. We're still pushing day in, day out, and doing the hours, both the players and the, the staff. We're not happy with the way things are, and, and that's what I think motivates us to, to keep going. But there, there is a common goal amongst the group to, to to get the club up there, and you know we've just got to find a way to, to continue to progress and move forward. Um, you know, we've stage and, and myself, I know we... we We've been in these situations, in a situation previously, and yeah. there is no substitute for, for the hard work. But it, it's not; it's you know, it's definitely not easy. Everyone would want to be at the top. I think every team has that target at the start of the year to to win the comp or get the top top six. You know, so but um, but yeah, it's just now the, the characters of individuals will, will continue to to come out in where both as a club, as a staff, as players, when when things aren't going the way they. You know, we envisage to, to go. No, and I think you, you walked into a, a squad where, uh, you know, a couple of the gems in, um, you know, star players are, are missing. Own um, Aaron McEnough is, is coming back from from an injury. Um, who else? Are the captains been missing? Um, Mustafa Amini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amini just came back, which is good to see him back on the park yesterday. Look, there's a lot of there are things that we've got to deal with as a squad, and you know, but. Um, the benefit, the positive things as well. We've seen young example Daniel Benny at 17 make his debut in, in the A League, and yeah. you know that, that that type of stuff. Players that hadn't played previously, like you know Kolarovsky hadn't played much, and Luka Ivanovic hadn't played much, and then um, Collie. You know, so there's been opportunities for players. When people talk about opportunities, there's been opportunities for players to to step up. And I think in every single game we've been close. Um, we've had. A, yeah. If you use the word last bit of bad luck as well, um, you know, where, where we things haven't gone our way. But I think the the good thing is that we continue to see week in, week out, that the boys are fighting till the end. Mm. Um, you know, they're not giving up regardless of the results. And even last week uh, against uh, Sydney, we were 3-1 down the 90th minute and we kept going and going. Okay, we didn't win the game. but um, and, and that's that's why I think we personally, we, or personally, collectively, we believe that we're, we're not far off from, from that perspective and it's just a matter of putting all these little pieces together for, and it will come and we're, we're certain that it will come. And like we always say, sometimes it doesn't come straight away. Yeah. Um, don't, don't forget a lot of uh, a lot of clubs in the on the eastern side, they're playing five, six, seven games against A-League oppositions before they actually start off the season. We've only played two against oh, yeah. Um, Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne Victory and we had to obviously rotate the squad. So, yeah. you know, um, so there are things that, again, um, if you look at it, this is sort of not not, not pl- going to plan in regards to the results, but, we, you know, it's, it's seven games in with a, with a new squad and, and you can see we can we can start, to, we're seeing it start, slowly start to evolve and, and we're not, like I said, even yesterday you're playing a team that not long ago is like on Melbourne City. They, they were in the grand final last year and, you know, um, that they've got a the caliber of players that they have. Um, you know, they, they were going through a bad patch as well, but at the same time, we're we're not far off that either. So yeah. you look at all the stats and all the data. So, mm. but ultimately, it's, it's the result. We need to win. You know, yeah. we're not hiding away from all that. Hi, uh, hi, no, this is uh, John here. How are you today? Hi, John. Good, thank you. Good, mate. Can I can I ask you a question? So you're obviously going through a transition period at the moment with with the new staff and and what's happening in the background. Um, first of all, is one thing is like. 
Uh, the coaching staff and, and, and the players in the inner sanctum, like, uh, are you guys creating like a, a bubble um, so that, you know, you just, it's all about you and the team and, and you're trying to keep the, anything that's uh, like in the media or on the outside, you're trying to keep it away from the, from the group. And second of all, with, with the players, a, a new group and a young group, um, from, a, from a fan's perspective, um, do we see a, a strong leadership group within the, the players? And who would be the players that are, are kind of like, part of the leading the way and, and, and getting the boys up for the challenge week to week? Yeah, look, I, I, I still to this day, even the, we, the, the playing group and the coaching staff, um, again, every, we, we, it looks and it feels quite united. You know, there's nothing, yeah. um, there's nothing there that, that we would say that, you know, one's going one way, the other one's going the other. We, everyone's, from, from day one, we were, you know, Dave has been open and honest with, with the boys, and the boys have been open and honest with with, with us as a, as a group. And you know, there's never been any blames on on any any individual player or any mm. individual coaching staff or anything. I think we that's why we continuously talk about us as a group um, because we win together, we lose together, and you know, we're we're all whether it's the backroom staff, the the players, ultimately. It's um it's us as a as a club and, and and we feel it you know that unfortunately even the fact that you know the ownership <laughs> didn't go through you, you still it's part of us you know we're all, we're all one and that's something yeah. that we've been driven collectively and, and the boys I hope you know I still believe that um and you feel as well that they're still in there we just obviously got to just got to get out of this little this rut that that the club's been in and, and once it have happens um I think you'll you'll see start to see progress we've been involved yeah. in. Previously at the Mariners with players that hadn't won in 32 appearances, you know. Mm. Um, so it's not an easy thing. And those players then, obviously, once they start to get that taste of, of, of that um, winning feeling, it, it obviously starts to um, change the mindset as well. But it's, it's obviously, that takes, that takes, you know, a bit of luck. A lot I, of hard work. I definitely um, think you dedication. guys are, are very close to it. Like, it's, it, it's, not, it's not like... Uh... You're losing by yeah. like lots of points, like lots of goals, or anything like that. I think it's very yeah. close to being being. Well, it's a lot better than how the season finished last. Well, I suppose year. You, if you take last night for example, had yeah. that penalty been rather than hit the post, had gone in, yeah. um, could have made the, the game very very different. But uh, also, I noticed when you, you brought on Amini and um, Daniel Benny. Um, I think we spent the next fifteen minutes mostly in their half and mostly peppering their goal. Um, you know. It was, but for a bit of luck, um, could have been a very, very different game. And I still, I was behind the goal when they scored their second. And I, I still don't see how someone can beat Mark Beavers in the air from behind fairly. But, you know, um, that's the way it goes sometimes. I've been told I'm very biased and, and unashamedly <laughs> am. But, um, you know, it's just some, some things you see don't go our way. Um, there's... There's elements of it that I see are connecting very well and I, I can see that there's been a very definite shift in the way we play. The players seem to be playing with a bit more freedom um, and, and probably with a little less fear than they did before. There doesn't seem to be a fear of making a mistake. They're, they're playing sometimes playing the right ball into the wrong channel and the player has either not made the right run or the player making the pass hasn't detected the run. They've just automatically moved the ball into that space. Um, so the, there's little areas of disconnect that are happening, but I can see that there's been a very definite shift in the way we play. Look again. Obviously, you know our formation is different to what a lot of the boys have played before. Um, 
going back to to the question as well in regards to the leaderships, we, we've got you know we, we've got players like Beeves and Tags who you know mm. for the, the di- different types of leaders, who, um, but it's obviously they're, they're our captains and, and the likes of Musti has got in it. Musti and obviously um, Oliver Bazanich who've got to play overseas, to play the Socceroos. So there's a core group there that um, of all those. I'm just thinking of those four players there that are, you know, like a Willow's experience that's played overseas. So there's different, you know, the, the, the group's got different types of leaders. Now again, um, going back into into the, the shift and, and change of mentality, I, I totally agree. And you know, is, is that if that goes in, that penalty goes in yesterday, and you know, and, and obviously that that cross, I'm, I was looking at it, and again, personally, I have my opinion of. I don't think it was, you know, a, like like you said, beats, you know, very rarely gets beaten in the air. But there's the things that you've got to ride, um, ride against them for the, for the time being, and and obviously not panic as well. We just got to continue having. A clear focus in, in what's ahead, and yeah. you was going to be easy. They know it's going, not going to be easy. I think that the players and stage, um, and collectively as a coaching staff, we we say to, to the players that um, there's certain things that that are non-negotiable. But it's not about. But everyone's going to make mistakes, not only in football but in life. But it's how you respond to that mistake. Yeah, um, and, sure. and I think that's the most important thing. And and as yeah, nothing. What's keep that's what's keeping us in the game now. It's a it's a matter of um, turning that around and and. and I feel it's not far off, but, you know, obviously we've got a very demanding fan group that wants to see instant success with, you know. um, I suppose, look, for for me, one one thing that is bothering me, um, Oliver Bozanic on a loan deal, um, from what I can see, that finishes on the 31st of December. Please tell me we've we've managed to secure his, his services for the season. Yeah, look, that's that's something. I, obviously, that's that's with the club at, at the moment and yeah. all that type of stuff. I'm certainly not. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, that's uh, that's from the back end. My, yeah, <laughs> I know. But no, look, yeah, just from a fan's I, perspective, I, I just see that. No, nah, look, I think yeah. I think Ollie's brought a, um, he's integrated really well. Him and Jay yeah. Carlucha, I think, especially from the two boys that the well known from from the Wanderers, um, they've integrated really well. They've um, you know they. Come into the group, and obviously, Ollie. We, we worked with Ollie previously, and yeah. the Mariners. Um, you know, and, and he's, a, he's a leader. He's a absolutely he's is. Guys are, so, yeah. You know, he's a professional. Just you know, on and off the pitch, the way he looks after his body, the way he conducts himself. Yeah. Um, and the hence he's had the career he has had. You know, mm. he's obviously played at the highest levels, played for the soccer, played World Cups. You know, there's. Um, and it's something, somewhere, a player that the, the young boys are, you know, with right. the young boys. So, so I, I suppose the, the short answer is it's in hand. Don't worry about it. Um, look, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for your time. Uh, really appreciate oh, find, finding out a little bit about yourself as well because I think we we quite quickly get into coaches about poor performances, but we, we forget your people too. And you, you've also had a history, which I think is quite interesting, you know, being a migrant into this country and, and living the dream as a result. So um, thank you for what you're doing. No, thank you. Pleasure. And, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work hard. We, we can feel the, the passion around the, the city and obviously around the club. And yeah. believe me, the boys are working hard and we are working hard to turn this thing around. Oh, I'm a believer. All right, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Take care, bye. mate. Bye. All right, Johnny, thank you for stepping in at the very last minute for me. Um, uh, obviously, now you're no longer at Armadale, but you've got a new adventure now at Morley. How's that going for you? Yeah, really exciting, actually, mate. Um, 
I thought I was going to step away this year and then got enticed back in by a friend of mine, Dan Evans. Um, and yeah, taking on the, the Morley Windmill job could possibly be one of the hardest coaching decisions of my, my career so I'd far. But looking that, forward yeah. to it, mate. Can't wait. All right. And uh, you're obviously looking for players and you've got things happening out there. Yeah, we've got a couple of sessions coming up on the 14th and 17th of December, a Thursday and a Sunday. So we're definitely going to be uh, touching base with the, the football community and seeing if we can get some superstars to come down and join us. <laughs> Buy into a dream. Exactly. Okay, look, thank you very much at thank home you. for listening to us. Um, we're back again next week. I think next week is our final show for the season. Good so um, thank you for listening to us this far. Um, Lenny's waiting patiently in the background to get the jazz show going. So I'll thank you all for listening and uh, be in touch with you next week. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.